Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest continues with part three of a series on the power of imagination. I checked the stats recently and was amazed to find that city by city, 33% of our recent downloads are from Tokyo, Japan. Amen. Isn't that cool? So, whoever you are, we love you and greet you and speak life and health over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to contact us here at Faith Life Fellowship, listen carefully to our announcer at the end of the podcast for our Facebook and website addresses. You can contact us via email or Facebook message or uh, what's the other one? Plain old writing a letter. That's why it didn't come to my mind. Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> Amen. So welcome, Tokyo listeners. Please contact us and let us know how's it going. All right. Praise God. So the power of imagination, part three. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the power of imagination and in particular, applying it as a gift from God to help us walk out our God-given calling, our vision our assignments in life. We've been contrasting the godly use of imagination with the wicked or the ungodly use of imagination, the right use of imagination, and also the wrong use of imagination. But this morning, I'd like to transition to the subject of meditation and the role it plays in the development of our imagination. Not just when it comes to walking out our calling in life, but also just living life and fighting the everyday battles that come our way as we endeavor to live our lives for God. Now, unfortunately, when you say the word meditation, it has some negative connotation associated with it. Usually people think when you talk about meditation that you're talking about mysticism and Eastern religion. What I'm talking about is godly meditation, meditation on the Word of God, Meditation on God's Word to you. Amen? Amen? And the pictures or the images that are birthed on the inside of you when you meditate on God's Word, when you meditate on the things of God. Amen? It will inevitably paint a picture in your heart and mind. Whether it was verbally spoken to you, whether you found it written in your Bible, whether it came through a dream or a vision, God's Word always paints a picture in your heart, your mind, and your imagination. So it is godly to use your imagination to walk out your calling in life and live godly for Him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this slide up here, if you'll notice, it says the power of imagination, and you see a man standing on the shore of what must be a distant planet. Why did Brother Scott use that slide? Well... When I was a young man, I devoured books about science, books about astronomy, books about going to the stars, science fiction. I often imagined myself strolling along the shores of a distant planet. Now, how did I get there? How did I go somewhere like that in my imagination? I had to read it in a book. And I had to take those words and allow those words to conjure up a picture in my mind very similar to this picture right here. It just shows you the power of imagination and how it can take you places you'd never go if you didn't have an imagination. 
Now, obviously, Bible-believing meditation and imagination has to be centered on the Word of God. I happen to believe that I will go to the stars one day, and I will visit distant planets, but some will call me delusional, some think it's cool, but I believe it. Amen? But living out our lives and walking out our calling, we have to have a tool, and God has given us a powerful tool, the wonderful gift of imagination to help us walk out our calling in life, to help us walk out our assignments in life. Amen? Let's start with Joshua 1.8. Now, this is the first scripture I ever memorized. I was at NC State, and somebody taught me a five-minute lesson on meditating in the Word of God, and this is the first scripture he shared with me, and I committed it to memory. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to point out that the Hebrew word here is the Hebrew word hagah. And it means to meditate, to muse upon, to think about, to mutter, to utter, to speak, to imagine. So meditating involves speaking at some level and imagining in your mind the things that you read in the Word of God. Sometimes you may mutter under your breath, by His stripes I was and I am healed. I am more than a conqueror through Him that loved me. Other times you may say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, when you do that, you're speaking the word, but you're also conjuring up images of yourself standing and walking in the power of God, aren't you? Glory to God. According to Joshua 1.8, we should mutter, utter, meditate, muse upon, and think about the word of God 24-7. So that when we walk out our lives, we actually do what the Word of God has called us to do. Amen? When we do that, the Bible says we will prosper and be successful in every area of our lives. Amen? I want some of that. So Bible meditation is is valuable. Amen? Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, same word, Hagah, day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. I want some of that too. Now this passage reinforces what we read in Joshua 1.8. Here we see a picture of a man who is walking out the will of God because his delight is in the Word of God. Amen? He meditates therein day and night, and because of that, he bears fruit and prospers in every season of his life. Amen? On a continual basis. Now that's godly meditation of the scriptures later on near the end of the message i'm going to give you a practical example of how you can break the word down and meditate on it but i'm laying a foundation here that's godly meditation spelled out there in joshua 1 8 psalm chapter 1 verse 1 through 3 amen there is such a thing as wicked meditation because there are those that are unbelievers who do not love god 
who are opposing God, who use meditation and imagination to oppose the things of God. Amen? Let's read in Psalm 2, verse 1 and 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine? Again, that's that word Hagah. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Amen? Here the wicked use their imagination in an ungodly fashion. They imagine how they might set themselves against the Lord and His anointed. I can assure you they're fighting a losing battle and it will not go well with them unless they repent. Amen? Wrong thinking and meditating on the wrong things will lead you down the wrong path and ultimately will destroy you. Romans 8 verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is the mind that's dictated by the flesh, by the five physical senses alone. We need to be tapping into the sixth sense, which is the realm of God, the realm of the Spirit. Amen. Just because we don't see that realm every day doesn't mean it doesn't exist. In fact, if you read your Bible, that realm is more real than this realm. Because everything in this realm came from that realm. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're going to be carnally, fleshly minded, dictated only by your five physical senses, the Bible says that'll produce death in your life in one form or another. But if you take it to a higher plane, if you become spiritually minded, tap into that sixth sense and learn to live, yes, by your five physical senses, but in concert with the sixth sense, which is the realm of God. And if you do that, you will be spiritually minded and it will produce life and peace in your heart and mind. Amen. Glory to God. Now, if you've been paying attention to the world around us, especially now, you're probably aware that the world is gravitating towards two radically different philosophies or worldviews. Amen? One is biblical and godly. The other is satanic and ungodly. There is no gray area. The lines are becoming more and more clear. You're either for God or you're against God. One is righteous and holy. The other is unrighteous and perverse. One exalts the Word of God as the absolute standard of truth. The other exalts humanistic thinking and moral relativism. Amen? One includes God in all its thoughts. The other excludes God in all its thoughts. Two completely different philosophies or worldviews. I think if you're a believer, you're aware of this. Amen? You watch your television, you read an article, and you go, how could somebody think something so stupid? Because they're thinking only carnally minded by the five physical senses, by by what makes sense to them, by what is logical to them. We look at it and we go, that's foolishness because we've learned to appeal to a higher standard. And we're thinking along the lines 
of the realm of God and what God thinks about it and what the Bible says about it. And I'm telling you right now, you need to change your thinking because so many Christians out there think just like the world thinks. And they expect different results just because they read their Bible every once in a while. That's not the way it happens. Look at creation, for example. Look at the stars. Something very near and dear to my heart. I was a stargazer when I was a young man. And I dreamed, as the slide showed earlier, of visiting distant planets, traveling in my own starship. I dreamed of those things. Amen? So when you talk about the stars, when you talk about planets, when you talk about the galaxies, I'm in, man. I want to hear what you have to say. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. This is so profound. For the invisible things of Him, talking about God, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. There's that word again. And their foolish heart was darkened. Now I want to read verse 22 as well. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Amen. Two groups of people look at the same evidence that is all around us in creation and in the stars above and yet come to two different conclusions. One says, God made all of this. The other says, there is no God. The sad truth, as I alluded to earlier, is that many, I would say probably 80% of the body of Christ, think no differently than the way the world thinks. Oh, they may be against abortion. They may not believe in evolution. They may confess Jesus as Lord. And they may say God's Word is the ultimate standard of truth. But when you put them to the test, many of them really don't believe the Word of God is always true. Psalm 103, verse 3, for example. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all mine iniquities and healeth all my diseases. Now, there's a denomination out there that preaches the salvation of God better than anybody on the planet. And they will tell you every sin you've ever committed, no matter how vile, no matter how perverse, no matter how wicked, is completely covered by the blood of Jesus. You are absolutely forgiven for everything you've done wrong. There is no question. But the same people, some of them, will look at the other side of that equation where it says, He will forgive all your iniquities, all your sins. He will heal all your diseases. They put some sort of qualification on that one just because it's not a part of everyday experience. I like to think about it like this. I learned this from Bill Johnson. Rather than bring the truth of God down to the level of our experience, why don't we leave the truth of God up here where it deserves to be and bring our experience up to the truth of God? Amen? Amen? Because it really doesn't matter what you experience. God's Word is still true. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. When it comes to the philosophy or worldview that you choose, consider the following warning given by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. Colossians 2.8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men 
after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Amen? Are you preaching the word or are you preaching the traditions of men? Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 verse 9, He said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Then down in verse 13 he says, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered and many such like things do ye. Are you going to hold to the truth of God's word or are you going to hold to your tradition? Are you going to believe it because the preacher said it? Or are you going to open your Bible and find out for yourself what the Word of God has to say? Amen? We need to consider and constantly ask ourselves this question. In this situation or in this circumstance, am I thinking God's thoughts or am I thinking the world's thoughts? Am I adopting a biblical worldview or the philosophy and deceit of man's thinking? Am I holding to the Word of God as truth or to the traditions of men? So what's the remedy? How can we ensure we're exalting the word of God as absolute truth and rejecting the traditions of men and the philosophies of this world? Well, we have to read the word. We have to study the word and then meditate on the truths that God reveals to us when we do. Amen. If we want to learn to think the way that God thinks, we've got to learn to renew our minds to the word of God. Amen. You've heard it preached, but very few of us actually do it. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Familiar to most of us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect Will of God. Amen. Now, I want you to see something in this verse that you may not have seen before. The Bible makes it clear in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Hebrews 4.12, that man consists of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is that part of you that was God-breathed into you. Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, your personality. And your body is the earth suit that you live in. Amen. Notice here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, only two of your three parts is mentioned. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. So there's your body. And renew your mind. That's your soul. Notice that the spirit is left out. That's because Ephesians 4, 24 says, you've been created just like God, if you're born again, in true righteousness and holiness. I know it's hard to get your arms around this, But one-third of you is quite literally wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. He always wants to read the Bible. He always wants to pray. He or she always wants to worship God. He always wants to walk in love. All you got to do is get that man to show up on the outside. Amen. And I'm telling you, this is the way the Lord showed it to me. He said, there's a man on the inside of you that's trying to get out. But there's a shielding around That is your soul. And sometimes your soul will block that man from getting out to your flesh. It's like radiation. On the inside of you, there's this nuclear reactor that's radiating with the power of God. Radiation just bursting to get out, but it has to get through the shield of your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions before it can get to your body. Amen? 
and make your whole man radiate with the power and the light of God. You got a man on the inside of you that's thinking right all the time. All you got to do is get your mind, your will, and emotions partnered up with him. And when you do, listen, this body has to do what it's told. Paul said, I put my body under subjection. It doesn't tell me what to do. I tell it what to do. That's because his spirit and his soul were united together. Amen. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health, some translations say, medicine to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, you may not think that this is talking about meditation because it doesn't use the word meditate or imagine, but I'm going to show you that in this passage, the concept of meditation is embedded therein. Amen. First of all, this passage says we need to pay attention to the word of God. We need to heed the word of God more than anything else in our lives. Amen. Again, I say make it the standard of absolute truth. We need to listen to the word of God via whatever means it comes to you. You need to listen to the word of God. We need to keep the word of God continually before our eyes. Did you hear what I said? We need to keep the word of God continually before our eyes. Now, I got a question for you. It's a rhetorical question. You know what that is? That's where I get to ask the question. I get to answer it. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. How is it possible to keep the word of God continually before your eyes? Well, I got an answer for you by reading and studying the Bible as much as you can and then meditating on the pictures that are painted in your heart and your imagination as you do. Amen. Glory to God. So this is very much talking about meditation and imagination. Whether your word comes from God, he speaks a word to your heart, still small voice, the authoritative voice of God, whether it comes through a dream or a vision, whatever vehicle God uses to bring you the word, inevitably it's going to paint pictures in your mind and imagination. And the way you keep the word continually before your eyes is to imagine those things that the word conjured up in your heart when you first read them. Jesus himself, he took my infirmities, he bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes I was and I am healed. I say that over myself every day of my life. And when I do, I picture Jesus wrapped around that whipping post, receiving stripes on his back. And I say, those stripes were for me, and I receive healing now in Jesus' name. I see a picture of what Jesus did for me. That's meditation, and it's healthy, and it's godly, amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. When we meditate, when we read, when we study, and we think about these pictures that come to our heart and mind, we will bring sound thinking to our hearts and minds and bring life and health to our physical bodies. Isn't that what it says? Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. Amen? You meditate on that word, and it actually will change the way you think about healing. You'll go from healing to healing to living in divine health because of what you think about all the time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Proverbs 14.30 says a sound heart is the life of the flesh. If you can ever get your mind right, your body will follow. That's even true in the negative sense. There is a condition called psychosomatic illness. That's where psycho comes from the Greek word, which means mind. Soma comes from the Greek word, which means body. So a psychosomatic illness is something where your mind has convinced your body that it's sick and it actually begins to manifest. That's the power of your thinking, either negative or positive. Why not say, I'm going to have a psychosomatic healing I'm going to live psychosomatically in health in the name of Jesus. I'm going to see myself well. I'm going to see myself in divine health. And as long as I keep seeing myself that way, eventually my body is going to catch on. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. As the old time preachers used to say, I'm preaching myself happy here this morning. Before we leave Proverbs 4.23, I want to read the last verse again. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Listen, the issues or vital functions of our lives will flow out of a heart that is filled with the life-giving word of God, not the philosophies and vain deceit of man. Amen? So beware which worldview you're latching on to. Here's some more meditation scriptures. Just so you know, it's in the Bible. Amen. This is just a sample. And most of these are verses that I found that use the word Hagah. That word that means to mutter, to utter, to speak, to think about, to muse upon, to imagine what you're reading in the Bible. Psalm 63 verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Amen? Hallelujah. In the morning, I'm always awake before I'm awake. You know what I'm saying? I usually lay in bed for an hour before I actually get out. But you know what? I'm not just laying there. I'm meditating on the Word of God. I do it every morning. 1 John 5.14, I've been meditating on it for three days. And you know what? It was the word of the Lord for our sister back here, Frankie. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his word, according to his will, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. I meditated on that over and over and over and over again. And it painted a picture in my mind that I'm holding on to. And one of those pictures is, my house in Bossier City is sold in the name of Jesus. We have a contract and it's sold. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 77 verse 12. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Psalm 119 verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Amen. Psalm 143, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Amen. Sometimes I lay in bed and I meditate about past victories. People say sometimes you can't go back. Sometimes you got to go back. You got to go back and remember when God came through for you. And you got to say to yourself, if he did it then, he will do it again today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God brought me through that time, 
He'll bring me through this time. Amen. If God helped me overcome that obstacle way back then, then he'll overcome any obstacle I face today or in the future. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, this is practical application time. I'm going to tell you, even though I think most of you already know how to do this, for the benefit of our podcast listeners, I'm going to give you a little seminar on meditating on the Word of God. All right, first of all, you can apply it to your calling in life, your assignments in life. You can apply it to healing. You can apply it to provision in life. So let's start with healing. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, and Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. I consider those three passages to be foundational if you're going to start believing God for healing. Start with those three. Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Because they point out it is a redemptive blessing to you that God delivered to you through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And healing and forgiveness of sins came as one package together. Amen. Now, I memorized these. I'm going to show you how I conjured up a meditation. Matthew 8, 16, 17 says, And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Remember that. First Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah 53.4 and 5 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now I meditated on all three of those verses. If you remember, the first one talks about how that it was prophesied by Isaiah that Jesus himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Peter said, by his stripes, you were healed. And Isaiah says, by his stripes, you are healed. So here's the way I say it over myself every day. Jesus himself, personally, he took my infirmities, he bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes, I was and I am healed. I say a lot of other things too, but that's what I start with. Amen? That's a meditation. Whether you speak it loudly, whether you mutter it under your breath, where you just think about it. You're meditating on the Word of God, and it is helping you. Amen? It is bringing life to your body. It is bringing life to your mind. It is transforming the way you think. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's talk about prosperity and provision. Now listen, I'm a Word of Faith preacher, but I'd be the first to let you know that the prosperity message has been perverted And it's been taken to extremes. Here's my definition of prosperity. God wants to prosper you in the respect that you have enough to meet all your obligations and all your needs and still give liberally to the work of the Lord. If you can do that, you are prosperous. That's the prosperity that God promised you. Amen. Hallelujah. Third John 2 says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, I have meditated on that for years. And only just recently, the Lord pointed out to me. He said, did you know that the Holy Spirit is the author of that verse? I said, yes, of course I know that. 
So that when I said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. The Holy Ghost is saying, I wish above all things thou mayest prosper and be in health. So what you're telling me, Lord, is you wish. Some translations say you pray above all things. You, Father God, Holy Spirit, author of these words, you're telling me that you wish above all things that I would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Again, the key is prospering your soul, and the way you prosper your soul is you renew it to the Word of God by reading, studying, and meditating the Word. Amen? And as you do, believing God for healing and believing God for finances becomes easier and easier and easier. Because you no longer think poverty, you think prosperity. Amen? Glory to God. Your calling or your assignment in life. You know, Psalm 138.8 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Thou wilt perfect that which concerns me. Some translations say, You will accomplish your purpose in me. So, times in my life when it seemed like I wasn't going to do what God called me to do concerning my assignment in life, I would always speak this over myself. Lord, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what they're saying about me. You will perfect that which concerns me. You will accomplish your purpose in me. And when it's all said and done, I will be a living testimony to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you can apply it to your calling in life or particular assignment in life. Lastly, I want to wrap this up by sharing a personal testimony why Joshua 1.8 is so important to me, so, so blesses me. Remember I said it's the very first scripture that I ever memorized when I was in college. Joshua 1.8, very special scripture to me. In 2007, almost 30 years from the time I first memorized and latched hold of that verse, it became very important to my life. In 2007, the Lord was dealing with me about leaving the military and uh, transition into full-time ministry. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was not dealing with it well. For 30 years, nine years active and 21 years in the reserves, I had been flying military aircraft. It was a big part of my life. So many of my aspirations and my goals in life were tied up with flying military aircraft. And it was not easy for me to let go. I mean, the Lord asked me to retire three years earlier than I had to because he had things for me to do in ministry. And I was fighting it. I remember laying awake at at night, 2 o'clock in the morning, Shreveport, Louisiana, laying on my bed, my hands in the air, tears streaming down my eyes saying, Lord, why do I have to do this? Why now? Can I not just wait and finish my three years and get as much as I can out of this? And, you know, why now? What's your purpose in this? And after a couple of days of crying out to the Lord like that, he spoke to me. And you know how he spoke to me? He spoke to me through the word of God. A scripture, the very first scripture that I ever memorized, started coming up in my spirit every night. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. But then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. And it just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And after about three weeks, I finally, I just said to the Lord one night, I said, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? I preach on Bible meditation. I believe this verse. You know, this is the first verse I ever memorized. You do know that, don't you, Lord? 
Why does this keep coming up? What, what does it have to do with what I'm going through right now? You're asking me to leave flying military aircraft behind when I don't want to. How is this relevant? Well, one day I was driving around the Air Force Base by myself. I think I was headed home. And I was meditating on Joshua 1.8 because it's the scripture that kept coming up in my heart for three weeks solid. And all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. He said, what was going on in Joshua's life when I spoke that word to him? It was an epiphany. The light bulb went on. I shouted in my car. I said, he was in transition. He was taken over the reins from Moses. And the Lord said, it is the same with you. This is a time of transition. I'm calling you to some other things. And I'm giving you this word to strengthen you and encourage you so that you are prepared for what lays ahead. After that, I let go. I let go. Now, I still miss flying military aircraft. But I know I'm doing what God called me to do. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Because I heard from the Lord. And he spoke it through the word. Amen. He painted a picture in my imagination. That it was time to leave flying behind and do a different kind of flying. Flying high for the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. So, if you're struggling with health issues, meditate on God's Word concerning healing. If you're struggling with finances, meditate on God's Word concerning finances. If you're struggling with your calling in life, your assignments in life, Meditate on God's word concerning your calling and your destiny. Begin to mutter, to utter, and declare that you will fulfill your destiny and you will become a living testimony to the saving power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on the power of imagination. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teaching, you can visit our website at GoFaithLife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and he's coming back again. We believe.